Amen. Ten minutes. You better buckle up if you got. If I got ten minutes, but <laughs> uh, no, we. Uh, it's I count it in honor uh, to preach any time, uh, but particularly on Father's Day, where um, those of you who remember Dr. Arnold used to always preach here on Father's Day, and uh, uh, very um, uh, respect any man to preach. Those of you who may not be familiar, he preached eighty something years of his life from being a teenager till he died at uh, what 95 96 years old 97 somewhere in there and uh, he preached a uh, uh, long time he preached longer than most people live and uh, he would always come on father's day and um, uh, just the, he always had the lord with him and i always enjoyed listening to him preach and uh, he he wasn't flamboyant in any way, but you just knew when he stood behind the pulpit, he had the Lord with him, and we need more men like that. And uh, getting to preach on Father's Day now, having three sons of my own, is a is a very humbling thing. We uh, uh, being a father is the most humbling thing I've ever experienced in my life, and uh, uh, there's just times where. You go to correct your child, and the Holy Spirit almost just seems to say, "Yeah, but you did that that same thing, and <laughs> you probably taught it to him." And uh, and then you see your own flaws in in your own character and your walk with the Lord, and uh, you got to eat a lot of crow. And uh, I found that to be true. Uh, I've caught myself saying. Uh, correcting a child, and maybe I've mentioned it before, but saying, now listen, if you had just did what I said to do, then this wouldn't have happened. And about 10 seconds later, I, I like got the message, Lord, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit, walk a little bit easier next time, uh, and a little bit more humble the next time. Uh, there's, uh, uh, but th- just the the responsibility that you have as a father, um, that you're to set the the uh, the picture of God in their in your children's life, and you're sinful. And uh, you know sometimes you can get too discouraged about that, and but you got to remember that God allowed them to be your children, uh, and knowing that you're sinful, and God put them in your care, and uh, your responsibility, and to consider that. My actions are going to be observed by my children, and um, uh, I'm responsible for that, uh, that soul. And, uh, you know, in Pride Month, we celebrate pride in this country, uh, uh, all over the world now, Perversion Month. And uh, to consider we in this country will wave flags down Main Street of, of small-town USA uh, opposite American flags that represents actual people that gave of their lives that we could have liberty is just such a sham, and it's pitiful. While we celebrate that perversion as if it's equal to that sacrifice, uh, we've lost our minds as a country. Uh, as a country, uh, now you have folks that think that um, it's okay to mutilate children and even should be defended. And you're a bigot if you believe that you think you shouldn't be allowed to mutilate it. In my lifetime, 35 years old, just since I got saved at age 18, I, I never would have thought. And in my short lifetime, we would have came to that. But, you know, we, we've by and large kicked God out of most every public forum long ago. And we're just beginning to reap the fruits of those seeds that were planted generations ago. 
Uh, it's scary to think what this generation is going to come to as they grow up. Uh, no wonder so many kids are confused on who they are. Uh, God, the God of the Bible made them male and female, and you kick that uh, instruction out, and lo and behold, people, uh, their actions follow their beliefs. Young children grow up because their fathers fail to tell them that, hey, God made you special. You know, I, I mean, we're not, we're not selling a social gospel, a prosperity gospel, but listen, uh, the God of the Bible made his highest creation in human beings. They're special in the sight of God. They're significant. I uh, had somebody, uh, what that would do for young children, just tell them, hey, God made you and he made you for a purpose and you're important in God's sight. And sometimes we forget that. And, uh, you know, we're, um, uh, I had some folks yelling at me about an animal one time and they said, you know, the same God that, uh, made, that made that animal made your child too. Don't you think that you ought to treat them the same way? Well, Jesus Christ didn't die for the sins of my animal. He died for the sins of me and for you. God's creation, the highest creation is mankind. And uh, if only we had more fathers that would be the kind of father that God sets forward to us and and show us in the word of God how we ought to be. Striving as much as you as you can, that you're gonna fail, and I found that to be true. And that's not an excuse, but rather a uh, something that just sobers me as a as a a person that my children are watching my behavior, and they're gonna see if I'm a hypocrite or if I'm the real deal and walk with God. My children are going to see if it's important enough for me to, I say, yeah, you, you need the Bible, you need to read your Bible, but they're going to see when they wake up in the morning if their dad's reading their Bible. They're going to see if dad uh, walks with God in prayer. And uh, they're going to see those things. And there's going to come events and situations and they have in my life where I didn't know what to do. And I just had to stop and, and pray and ask the Lord for help. What, what's the right thing to do here? I can't, you can't see into the hearts of your children um, as much as I, I try to discern with God's help, but if you don't have a walk with the Lord, you cannot be the father that you need to be. Um, I fail often, and uh, the Bible is just uh, such a wonderful counselor, and, and we need to open its pages and and uh, learn what God said in his words so that we could be the kind of father and raise the, genera- the next generation uh, that, that God wants to raise up. Uh, and uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 22 tonight. And uh, I'll try to be as succinct as possible. And I know it's Father's Day. Many of you are tired. It's been a long week for Vacation Bible School. And... Uh, some folks need a vacation to recover from vacation Bible school. <laughs> I understand that. Um, a special thank you to all of you that worked and um, uh, contributed. And um, It takes a lot of time and effort. And uh, uh, Somebody's got to get all the food together. Somebody's got to coordinate all that. Somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to clean up the classrooms uh, for the next, the next day. Somebody gave her their money that we could have all those gifts. And uh, when we all pitch in, uh, that uh, we, we get it done, but no one person can do that. So I, as a father, I, I owe each of you that contributed a special thank you. My children loved it, and um, uh, they, uh, 
uh, especially like the hoverboard, and uh, that was an answer to prayer. They've, they've enjoyed that pretty well. So uh, Genesis chapter number 22, and, um, and we're going to read in verse number, begin reading in verse number 1. And uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass that after these, uh, after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and notice this, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went up into the place which God had told him. Let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to preach to you on he clave the wood. Uh, Lord, we um, just come before you this evening, and uh, Lord, we plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, um, I pray that you'd meet with us now in this hour. I pray that you'd honor your word and your servant. And Lord, help me to hide behind the cross. And uh, Lord, that I might deliver a message to be a help to your people. And uh, Lord, that we could be better for you. I pray for any lost here this evening that doesn't know you as their Savior, doesn't know you as their Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, that you might work in their heart even now and soften it. And uh, Lord, let it not be hardened from sin. And uh, Lord, help us to, uh, uh, I pray that you'd remove the scales from our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Lord, that we might uh, live and abide by its precepts. Uh, Lord, thank you for the cross, and we love you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. He says in verse number one, he says, uh, uh, and God did tempt Abraham. God tempted Abraham. Uh, some folks would uh, interpret that as temptation, in other words, to try to get Abraham to sin, but that, uh, that's not what it says. It doesn't say he tempted Abraham. It said he tempted him. We use that, uh, you, you might use that word in, in, uh, in temperance or to be uh, tempered. In other words, to try it out, to prove it, uh, to put it on trial, to be tempered. Uh, you and I are, are tempted every day by co-workers and by friends and relatives that may be unbelievers that they're going to they're gonna try you out and see if, if you, your walk matches what your profession is. And they're going to judge uh, their, your, uh, your walk with God based on the things that you do. They're going to tempt you, if you will. And here uh, Abraham was tempted of God and uh, God was trying him out. And uh, what God wanted to try him out on was his love. And uh, as you notice in verse number 2, he says, Thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Uh, you can learn a lot about a man based on two things. The things that he loves and the things that he's afraid of. Uh, that determines a lot about a man. And you could search in your own heart and determine uh, what those things are. What, it, what is it in fact that you love? Uh, God uh, uh, wasn't kidding when He said uh, the, the first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Why did God first go after man's heart? Well, God knew that uh, if He had man's heart, He had the man. Uh, that's why uh, 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 God uh, uh, here in, in Abraham, he knew that he had to go after Abraham and go after him in his affections. And God, at some time in your point, in your walk with him, if you're born again, he's going to tempt you in those things and he's going he's to zero in on the things that you love in your heart and get into those affections. He's going to find out uh, what's in that heart, the things that you love and whether you love him or not. 
Uh, he says, uh, whom thou lovest. Now, uh, law first mentioned, the Bible, uh, that's the first, lo- uh, first love in the Bible in its form. Um, the, the common vernacular today is love is love and, and, and trying to justify perversion. Love is love. Well, that sounds simple, uh, but that's like saying math is math. <laughs> None of us go around and say that doesn't mean anything. Uh, the, the, the term in, in 1 John is God is love. And of course, if you've got uh, the perversion that kicks God out of everything, you can't have God in it, so you've got to kick God out and say uh, love as a neuter is love, and, which means absolutely nothing at all. That means that if you, don't, if you don't support perversion, then you're a bigot and all this, that, and the other. The Bible says uh, and predicted, and we're in those days, that the Bible says that uh, there would come a day where men would call good evil and, and evil good. Uh, you're a bigot if you think that perversion is wrong and that you don't want that in front of your children. And then uh, you take a Bible out on the street corner and preach the cross of Jesus Christ to set men free, and then all of a sudden you don't love anybody. (laughs) Well, that's their definition. Jesus Christ said, if you love me, keep my words. That's what he said. You don't go and declare those words before a lost and untoward generation. It's going to bother them. You know, we, um, I tell the men when we go out street preaching, the Bible's likened to a sword. And when you go out, you, you start preaching on the street and you're quoting verses and one after another, uh, people don't realize it, but you're throwing daggers at them. <laughs> I wouldn't appreciate that a whole lot either. <laughs> I mean, you put me in front of a board in an axe-throwing competition, I'm, I'm going to be pretty uncomfortable real quick. And uh, that's what an unsaved man is like. They don't like the Word of God. Why? They naturally resent it. It's against them. And so they got to kick God out because that reminds them that they're per- of their perversion. And they got to replace it with something else and rename things. Whether they're the, the God's definition is God is love and replace it with a neuter. God wants to check man out and, and uh, uh, search your heart and the things that you love. And God might find some things that you love in there that ain't supposed to be there. And He might find some things that, that He should. You know, Isaac, he, um, uh, that was his son. It was his only son. Now, obviously, it wasn't his only son. He had uh, another son, but he wasn't the son of promise. And Isaac was the son of promise, the one that back in, uh, in Genesis 12, God had told him that, I'm going to make your, <coughs> I'm going to give you children, when Sarah had laughed at him. You know, uh, you know the story where uh, uh, Isaac is, um, uh, uh, God leads Abraham and, and he takes him and he, he takes the wood and the fire uh, and then he leads him up to the top of the mountain and then he tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. Look at, um, in verse number um, uh, verse number um, uh, 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 three. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. And, uh, and uh, of course, later on, he, uh, he goes to stretch forth his hand in verse number 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. See that thing? He was checking him. 
He was checking him out on his affections. He was checking him out on what he loved and what he feared. And God found out that that Abraham feared God and what he said to do. And if God were to take a flashlight into your heart and make a list of all the affections that he saw on him, what would he find in your heart? What What would he catalog? You know, if we were to take that catalog and put it on the back window and, and said, this is your heart and this is the things that we see in it, how, uh, how embarrassed would you be if God were to search in and find out all those things that shouldn't be in there? You know, Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, outwardly you appear righteous unto men, but inwardly, inwardly. The Lord's concerned about what's going on on the inside of you. And he searches Abraham's heart and he knows that God, that Abraham loves his son and then he finds out later on that he fears him. Uh, I guess you could name this, the, uh, this Father's Day message, How to Murder Your Son. <laughs> uh, God asks him a pretty extreme thing, right? He says, uh, uh, Abraham, I want you to take your son, I want you to take him to the top of the mountain that I tell you of, and then I want you to sacrifice him. Wow. I mean, if God told you something like that, how would you respond? You know, I I think that uh, sometimes we we remove the Bible, Bible passages from the context in which they appear and we look at them in a silo. And then we forget maybe the broader picture and what God's trying to do in, in the passage. You know, lost man looks at uh, lost man looks at passages of scripture, and they and in a silo they 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 don't make any sense, or they make they look as if you can ridicule certain passages. And we're not going to go through of them uh, through them all, but to, in in this one you would say, well, what kind of God of the Bible is that that would tell you to take your son and murder him? You ever hear somebody say, well? Uh, uh, what, uh, what kind of, uh, how is God, the God of the Bible loved that He would just send somebody to hell? Human reasoning, right? You know, God's not a God of love because He would send somebody to hell. You hear that kind of talk in the world. That's what they, that's what they think. But let me tell you this, uh, th- this passage of Scripture, uh, you, you have to be, uh, read this in consideration of back in Genesis chapter number 12. Hold your place right there and flip back to Genesis chapter number 12. Now look in uh, verse number 1, it says, Now Lord, and this is prior to Isaac, he said, Now Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now Abraham had no sons in this time. And God, back in Genesis chapter number 12, had already told him, I'm going to give you a son. And you know what? In between Genesis chapter number 12 and the time that Isaac was born, Abraham and Sarah hatched a plan. And they said, well, I want you to go into Hagar and I want you to, I want you to help God out and then I want you to uh, uh, have a child of Hagar. And you know, we're the same way. God gives us a promise and uh, sometimes we just in lack of faith don't believe what God said. And then we try to help God out and come up with our own plan. And you know what, years down the road, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, there's going to come payday when you try to help God out just as Abraham and Isaac with, uh, uh, with Hagar. 
You know, don't you think that Abraham, the day that God told uh, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to uh, 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 send uh, uh, your brother Ishmael out uh, with his mom, uh, don't you think that Abraham regretted the decision that he made at that time? You know, we, uh, when God gives us a commandment, we, just, we, we, we want instant gratification. And God has a plan and a process to what He's doing. And you know, in Genesis chapter number 12, God had already proved Himself to Abraham that He was going to give him a son. So Abraham, knowing in his walk right here that God could do a miraculous thing and not only give him a son, but give him a son in Sarah's old age, Abraham was told something and he believed it, and then it came to fruition in Isaac's birth at all. You know, when Isaac was born, don't you think that did something for Abraham's trust in God? Of course it did. And so Abraham had already proved God in that sense. God had already proved Himself to Abraham and that uh, I could give you a son. And so in Genesis chapter number 22, God had a plan and uh, <coughs> that uh, He wanted you to take that son and sacrifice him. And this is the same Abraham that knew if God could pre- uh, perform this miracle, God could perform another one. Look in verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. You know what Abraham believed? Abraham believed that if God had him to do that thing and murder his son, that he would then resurrect that son. He said, I and the lad will go and worship, and I will come again to you. You know, I think Abraham clung to that wood. He claved to the wood as he walked up that mountain. And no doubt that he was doing some real praying and real thinking. And up that, as he walked up that mountain, I bet he was thinking about that time back in Genesis 12 that God said, I'm going to give you a son. And that whole time, and Abraham thinking, Lord, what are you going to do in this? Where he gets to the top and he says, and he lift up his eyes. In verse number 4, Then the third day Abraham lift up his eyes and saw the place afar off. He was looking down. If God told you that He wanted you to sacrifice your son, you'd be counting every step along the way. You'd be counting every step along the way. Listen, as a father, I don't want to take the time with my children lightly. I want to cherish every moment that I have, and I don't want any one moment of my life to be the stumbling block to my children. You know, there's been times that I, as a father, have made choices in the, in the rashness, a, a rash decision or a rash, a rash emotional reaction to a, strain, a, a strenuous situation, and I, I lived to regret it and had to go back and eat my words and, and apologize for decisions that I made as a father. You know, I, I found being a father to be um, maybe the single most... Uh, uh, office in my life that God's allowed me to grow in my walk with Him. You know, the Lord's taught me more about God as in His fatherhood and His love for me and as being a father. And you know what? It's so sad that so many just shirk that duty and that responsibility. And the Lord's interested in your growth and development. He is, in the New Testament, He says He, we are made, uh, he is trying to conform us to the image of His Son. And part of that is his fatherhood. Listen, Abraham had no plan B. 
you ever think about the faith that it must have taken Abraham in this passage? I mean, not only did it, did it take Abraham faith to believe that God could give him a son, period, but that God would then take uh, and demand that he would take that son and, and sacrifice him. But not only that, but Abraham knew at this point in consideration of Ishmael that he had already, in effect, lost a son. Abraham had no plan B. Abraham had no plan B. Abraham had gotten to where it was just him and the Lord, and I just had to trust that the Lord knew what he was going to do. And you know, when God, Abraham had, you could almost sense that God, that Abraham had uh, his heart placed in the hand of God, and, and he's, I got nowhere else to go but you, Lord, and I, I'm going to trust, and I, if I take this boy up that mountain, I'm going to come back down with him. You know, Abraham had some kind of faith in the Lord. That's God's plan. Look in verse number 8. I want you to see the provision. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. That's an interesting reading. Some folks uh, say, Well, the new King James Version is just as good as the King James. It just gets rid of the these and the thous. Or the old version, uh, uh, the, uh, the old other versions cha- uh, change a lot worse than that. Uh, but the New King James that folks would try to say the closest to the real thing uh, reads in this passage, God will provide for himself the lamb. Well, in the King James, the way it reads is that God will provide himself a lamb. Now when John the Baptist shows up and he starts preaching, he was a forerunner of God. John the Baptist, when he saw, laid his eyes on Jesus Christ, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the Lamb. Now if you've got a New King James Version, it makes a liar out of God Almighty in the passage because God will provide Himself the Lamb, and later on, Abraham looks back and he sees a ram in the thicket. God didn't provide a lamb. There. He provided a ram. If you've got a New King James Bible, you've got a piece of trash. And you need to get rid of it and you need to get a King James Bible. That's the true Word of God. And that, that's just one example of many that we could spend all night talking about how a God, uh, the, the devil makes something that looks like, looks like the real thing, but not the real thing. It's, a copy, it, it's copied. You need to get you a, a King James Bible. And here in other Bibles, do the same thing. The NIV, the uh, American Standard Version, the ESV. You could look at them all and, and they, they all pretty much say the same thing and they destroy the revelation that Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, I, I think in the provision, I think it's interesting that Abraham here in the passage is around 120 years old. Isaac, probably about 30. <laughs> about 30 years old. And Abraham, while he claved the wood and he packed it up, he handed it over to Isaac and he packed it up that hill. I mean, you got a 120-year-old man. And Isaac's a strapping young man, apparently, packing that wood up the hill. You know, I, I think it's interesting to note that it would have required submission in order for this type to, to be fulfilled. Look in verse number... Uh, nine, and they came to, came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
The angel of the Lord called down into heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. So Isaac had to willingly lay himself down. Uh, you know, listen, when Jesus Christ, right before the cross, he, he went and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Not my will, but thine be done. He said, If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he gave himself willingly, the Bible says. You know, Isaac, back in the Old Testament, he, he, he was a grown man and he had no doubt had the strength to fight back and he could have uh, he could outran Abraham and uh, he could have dropped the wood and he could have just ran away uh, from his father and, uh, uh, and, and knowing all, everything that was laid out in front of him and uh, Isaac had every reason to want to run away or Abraham, you've lost your mind. But yet he laid himself down on the wood willingly. You know that very wood that, I, uh, that uh, Abraham had clave to was the wood that Isaac himself had laid himself down on. You know, Jesus Christ laid himself down on a tree willingly for you, that you could be made free. You know, in Genesis here, Isaac is a perfect picture of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at one other thing and we'll be done and look in verse number 20. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children of thy brother Nahor, Huz the firstborn, and Buzz his brother, and Kemuel the father of Aram. You ever thought about, I get my kids' names mixed up. Could you imagine trying to name Huz and Buzz if you had two boys? Um, uh, Elliot, Asher, Mike, I mean, Elliot, get over here. Uh, Huz and Buzz. And uh, and she, in verse 22, and she said, and uh, uh, Hazo and Pildash and uh, Jidlaf and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight, Mike, uh, Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abram's brother. And his concubine, whose name was Reuma, she bare also Teba and uh, Gaham and Thahash and Maaka. You need a Bible college education to name some of those, <laughs> a doctorate anyway. Uh, some 30 years had passed between Genesis 12 and Genesis 22 to the point that Nahor had eight children. That's a lot of time. You know, from the time that God had originally made the promise to, to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12 to the time right here in Genesis 22 was roughly 30 years. And uh, he had Nahor, uh, his brother that had... Uh, 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 eight children in that amount of time. That's a lot of children. Things change in that amount of time. And you know, I, I think uh, it's interesting to note the patience of God. You know, when God gets us to, uh, we, we want instant gratification on everything and uh, God sees the big picture. And God, from that time that He committed to Abraham that He was going to have a son to the time that uh, he uh, shows up in Genesis 22 to say, hey, don't murder that son's roughly three, gener uh, three uh, decades, roughly. His brother had eight, eight children. And God spent that whole 30 years just preparing Abraham for this moment. You know, God knew, he knew in, in his foreknowledge that he would 
would take Abraham up to this point and, 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 he's, and he was going to basically put Abraham's heart on trial and find out what do you love and what do you fear. And God wasn't interested in the instant. We want it right now. And God's interested in the development. Uh, we, we want the, the finished product, but God's interested in the process to get you there. And, Abraham, and the Lord is patient that way. You know, God's never in a hurry. You know, God's never in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. Uh, you get behind a slow driver and, and you've you got to go somewhere and you've got to be there faster now and you always get the slowest people right in front of you when you're in the biggest hurry. <laughs> you know, we... we um, Every, every time to church, if we're, we're uh, running later than I want to, we hit the slowest people in front of us. And you know, God's interested in the process to get us there. And I want you to notice something here that uh, in verse number 23 in that, uh, in that passage, somebody shows up in the passage, and Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor. There's uh, somebody that shows up in that process, and that's Rebekah. And sometimes we don't like the, the God's patience because God wants to develop us along the way, but all the while the Lord's looking at our heart and our affections and getting us to a point where it, we got no plan B, we got nowhere else to go. And when God lays uh, Isaac down to check Abraham's heart and the things that he loves, and if God were to lay your heart down on the altar and say, what do you love and what do you fear? And what are those affections? Where are those affections at? In that 30 years that God's testing him and preparing him for this moment, and, and then after he tests him, and then he says, okay, now I know that you fear God. And, I, and the type is fulfilled that, uh, that, that he claved to the wood and took it to the top, and, and through that wood that he had uh, uh, laid Isaac on, and that Isaac had willingly offered himself, in the background, on the other side of this, this story is that God had a Rebecca that was born. And later on, the next chapter over, uh, in chapter number, uh, two chapters later, uh, God goes and gets a bride for this son named Isaac. And her name is Rebecca. And all that time that God was working on Abraham and preparing Isaac and after the type was fulfilled and that, Je- and that Isaac would be a picture of Jesus Christ, a bride comes into the picture. And then that bride is a picture of the church, of you and I. That after Jesus Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, that he laid himself willingly, God had began, when Jesus Christ rose again, God set in motion a, a, a series of events that uh, he would then uh, bring a bride about to his son. And then that son would later on marry that bride. And right now we're kind of in the passage in between where Jesus Christ had gave himself willingly and that uh, he's going to call for his bride. And that's, that day is coming soon. And you and I are going to be part of that if you're born again. And the great promises of God that uh, when you got born again, you got an awful lot. And part of that was being, becoming part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And one day, although it looks like a mess today, there's no reason to get discouraged because one day he's going to come and get that bride. Uh, Abraham, two chapters later after Sarah had died, and uh, he, said, he sent his eldest servant 
And then he said, I want you to go get my son a bride. And uh, all, that, all that time that they were gone and Abraham was walking with God, God had a Rebecca in mind that he was going to uh, lay up for Isaac to have a bride one day. But it took that process in order to get him ready for it. <clears throat> you know, folks, right now we're kind of in the time period that we're waiting, we're waiting on that eldest servant to call us, come on home. We're waiting on that Holy Spirit for that trumpet to sound for you and I and uh, to be caught up in the air together and to be with the Lord and so shall we ever be with Him. And you know what? The, the Lord uh, had Isaac to, and Abraham to cleave to that wood. And if God were to search your heart and, and you were to be honest with Him tonight and, and He maybe pointed out some things that your heart is off kilter with God, maybe the affections are off. Maybe you love things that you shouldn't or maybe there's fears that are in your heart that shouldn't be there. Maybe God wants you to go ahead and bring that before Him and confess that thing and get it right. Why? Because one day He's preparing a bride and He wants only the best for His son. What kind of, what kind of bride would you be if the Lord were to call you home? Would you be one that meets his qualifications of godly and one that would be suitable for his son? Or are you just giving the Lord second best? Could I encourage you tonight, just if you don't know what else to do, just cleave to the wood. Just cleave to the wood. The Lord Jesus Christ claved it for you. And if you're not saved, I pray that tonight might be the night that you set your heart aright and realize that the Lord had all this stuff in plan for you long ago. He's just waiting on you to respond, and he's going to tempt you, if you will. As we stand to our feet, we're going to turn it over to Pastor, and um, uh, we'll have a word of prayer.